Welcome to our painting. This is Saratoga Best. We are learning about the French Revolution. We're learning about miracles. And we've done two parts already. And one of the questions that the Rebbe asked, the Lubavitcher Rebbe asked, is people ask, where do you see miracles today? We're making the statement, and the Rebbe Rayat made the statement that everything's ready. We've polished the buttons. This is the last generation of Gullahs. First of Gaul, everything's done. All we need to do is receive Mashiach. And we understand that Mashiach means massive miracles in the entire world. So people ask, where do we see miracles? So this part of the Shikha is explaining, as we said in last recording, it all centers around France. As Ovadia said, the Gullus is embodied by the country of France, the beginning of the Gullus and the end of the Gullus is all embodied within the country of France. And why? Because France represented a very, very big klipa, very, very big unholy force. The, the energy, the philosophy of France, of modernity, which is now expressed in, in a much more extreme version in, excuse me, the Democratic Party, um, and the globalists, it, it, it was the beginning of a very, very, very great unholy force that had to be uh, nipped in the bud or else there would, there would not be any Yiddish type today. There wouldn't be any holiness. There would have been, I don't know, a, a, a drop of holiness somewhere just embedded, you know, as a tiny seed, but not expressed in any way. And only because this tremendously unholy force, this klipa, was nipped in the bud and the Altarebbe had to throw his life into the battle to do that, only because of that do we have the flourishing of truth, holiness, Yiddishkeit, and the tshuva of Esav. Only because of, of, of it being nipped in the bud do we have all of that happening today. So, where do we see this? We see it in the change in the relationship between the Jewish people uh, with the country of France relative. Now, our Jews, a Jew's relationship with France today versus the Jew's relationship with France in the time of the Alter Rebbe, 1789, let's say, French Revolution, time of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe was born in 1745. The Tanya was printed in... Oops, 1797. So, again, so 1789, the French Revolution, 1797, the printing of the Tanya, and then I think Napoleon, Google Google people, Napoleon assumed leadership, I think, in um, 1801. Probably 1801. We're going to Google it and find out. Um, Google is a good example of do they work for Napoleon or do they work for the Alta Rebbe? Right? Um, right now they are working for Napoleon. 1799, Napoleon took over. Okay? Two years after the printing of the Tanya. Clearly the printing of the Tanya was a refua before the Maka. Tyra had to, the, 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 the deepest part of Tyra had to come out and be given to the world to counteract this massive klipa 
that came through Napoleon. So um, we know that in the time of the Alta Rebbe, there was a war between Napoleon, France, and Alex, uh, uh, Tsar Alexander of Russia. And the Alta Rebbe had a view that was different from all other Jewish leaders. Other Jewish, some other Jewish leaders believed that Napoleon was good for the Jewish people. The reason was, Napoleon came along and said, I will give everybody free, you know, equalité, fraternité, liberté, equality, freedom, and liberty. So that means he promised the Jewish people that they would no longer be physically oppressed. They would have wealth. They would have equality. Um, they would have, we would all be brothers together. Sounds good, right? And so most Jewish leaders said, Napoleon's our man. Go for him. Vote for him. He's our democratic man in the White House. Vote for Napoleon in the White House. Four, uh, four years of Napoleon in Washington. Why? What do you mean? Look what he's offering us. We can all be equal. We can be free. We can have freedom. We can, liberty, freedom, equality. Yay. And that's what actually most Jewish leaders were wanted. And the Alta Rebbe said, absolutely not. Now, why would that be? Because they were looking, they were looking at it from a more superficial point of view. What he promised seemed good on the, on the surface. Take a much deeper look from the point of penis attire, from the point of view of Tanya, and you'll see that it sure looks good on the outside. It ain't too good on the inside. What it really is, is that old snake, Nachasha Kadmaini, the, the primordial snake, enclosed in a fancy schmancy philosophy, ex-hippie philosophy, that looks good on the outside, but is the most evil of evil of evil, wearing a very nice, you know, uh, embodied by today, Arab terrorist, Rahman Islam trying to rule the United States, but picking as someone that looks like their leader as a old, white-haired gentleman who seems quiet and soft-spoken and speaks about beautiful liberal ideas. Right? That's the way it was then. That's the way it is today. Nothing new under the sun. So most of the leaders believe that Napoleon with his beautiful democratic words Equality. Anybody can be what they want. Pursue their dreams. I ask you to help me um, uh, preserve the soul of this country, etc. Beautiful poetic words that belong in the in the poetry book. Beautiful. This was Napoleon. The author ever said, "We, we don't we don't uh, we don't buy into the poetic words. What's really going on?" The author ever had vision, Torah vision to see what was really going on. Because remember, actually there's a sikha in which it said that the Alter Rebbe had access to what we're going to have access to this Thursday night. The Arhaganas. What's the Arhaganas? When Hashem created the world, He said, let there be light. This light filled the entire world. With this light, you could see from one end of the world to the other. So Deacon had access to this light. But then Hashem concealed this light so that we couldn't see it anymore. We didn't, we couldn't use it anymore. So where did he hide it? Where did he conceal it? In Tyra. And in the Hanukkah Menayra, in the Hanukkah light. 
So when we look at the Hanukkah and the Naira, by the way, we have access to that light. We can see from one end of the world to the other. And when we look in Tyra, Sadiqim always had access to this. Today, the people have access to this. You do a Google search, right? Once upon a time, if you wanted to know when the tiny was printed, and if nobody in your city knew, then you would travel to, you know, you would get on a ship and you would travel for two months until you come to the city of the scholars. And in that city of the scholars, till you found the person who has this information. Once he was there in the time of the Altarevin, he remembers when they wrote the Tanya. We don't do that anymore. The simplest person just goes on their phone, does a Google search, and has access to the, all, all the information from one end of the world to the other, can see from one end of the world to the other, so to speak. How is that possible today? That kayach that was, that spiritual kayach that existed, that was from the light with which Hashem created the world, that filled the world, that was given from tzaddikim to the simple people. Remember, the people take over, do it yourself, people take over. But that's in Kedusha. So we can find out anything and anybody and find anybody. Nobody can hide anymore. Wherever they are, you're going to find them. Especially if they're hanging out in 770, you're going to see them. 770 live. Wherever they are, you're going to see them somewhere in a video. So, um, the Alter Rebbe, with this light, the Aragon is access to this light, in which you can see from the beginning of creation, and etc., etc. He saw the evil. He saw the connection between the Nachash and Napoleon, and that it was just one continuation. They were buddies. The Nachash and Napoleon, they were buddies. But just like the, the Nachash was very smart, there were only two people in the world, and they were very holy. One was Adam and one was Chava at the time of the primordial snake. you got to be really smart to convince Chava to go against Hashem. She's not very old. She just had a conversation with Hashem. You know, she. How could somebody be talented enough to already get her off the derech and convince her to do something that's the opposite of what Hashem said? He was smarty pants, this primordial snake. And he still is. And he still is. So he embedded himself in history. And then we come to the point, you know, 1789, or what we say, 1799, and there he is, Napoleon, embedded in Napoleon, his life, his philosophy, etc., his leadership. The interesting thing is that the Khalifa must have been so intense at that moment that at that moment Hashem had to send the Alter Rebbe and tell the Alter Rebbe, we need the Tanya now. We need to pull out the big guns from Tyra at this moment before Napoleon comes on the scene to be able to defeat him. That mu- that's, for us, an indication that the Kripa was very strong. Because otherwise Hashem doesn't like to pull out his deepest secrets. You know, who wants to tell their secrets? The fact that Hashem was ready to pull out the big guns and pulled out the big guns at that point means this, the stakes were high. The stakes were high at that moment. So, um, so what's the thing? So the Alter Rebbe understood that Napoleon has to be defeated no matter what. 
And, and, and why? The way the Alter Rebbe expressed it was that the, for the good, the spiritual good of the Yidden in Yerushalayim, um, it's better that Russia should win and France should lose. So again, to say it in simple terms, well, here, let's look at it. It says, in his holy language, base, if Bonaparte base will win, Yorba Yisrael, the wealth among the Jews will proliferate. Jews will be rich and they will have some level of freedom. But, they will become distant from their father in heaven, which means they'll lose their spiritual wealth. They'll gain physical wealth and they'll lose their spiritual wealth. That's no good. <laughs> the whole world is depending on the Jewish people tapping into their spiritual wealth so that they can be the true leaders of the world. That's no good. It's not only no good for the Jews, if they're disconnected from it, it's no good for the world. Now, the Imyanateh Aleph, if Aleph wins Alexander, the Tsar of Russia, in Kiorba Aini be Yisrael, it's true that the Jewish people will be, be the poor, the Yushval carrying Yisrael, and they're not going to have an easy life. Aval, but Yiskashu Yitzchagur Yisakhtu Liban Shal Yisrael Levian Shadashamayim. But they will be connected to and cruising to their hearts will cleave to their Father in Heaven. Okay. So the Alter Rebbe understood that it would require some level of mysterious nefesh on the part of the Jewish people. But it's game over if everybody just gives up and joins the side of the snake. If the Jewish people join the side of the snake, how long it would take to get back on track? How much traction that was built up throughout all of the hundreds and thousands of years of Mesiris Nefesh and Kiddush Hashem by the Jewish people would be lost, undone, and we would have to go back to square one and start all over again and what it would cost us and the world. I mean, because, in other words, we're never going to disconnect from Hashem, but it would probably backtrack us massively, and then to get back on track would cost us even more in terms of lives, etc., wouldn't be a simple thing. So it was in, so the Alter Rebbe understood and was told by Hashem that it's crucial that Napoleon lose and that the other side win. It's not like the Tsar of Russia was some big tzaddik. He was terrible. But he wasn't planning to disconnect. He just didn't like Jews, but he didn't, there was no spiritual war against Jews. It was just a physical war against Jews. Or maybe, and he wasn't particularly benevolent. But it was, he wasn't fighting a spiritual war against truth and Hashem at that point. Oh, but Napoleon was. And the reason for all of this was because France and Napoleon at, at its head brought with it a tnua, a movement of, of freedom, Rahman Islam, from all in Yanam of Das and Amune and Hashem. The whole force of Napoleon and France was to disconnect us from Amune and Hashem. Remember the story of Hanukkah? There's a reason why this sicha was said in Parshas Vayeshev just in the days. Well, it, it's actually said for the Shabbos of Hanukkah. It's all the same thing. Remember how the Greeks were fighting a spiritual war to get rid of connection to Hashem once and for all? Just popped up, get, popped up again in a more modern version through Napoleon. Because it was Taika. Haklipa Vadina Kasha. 
absolute power of klipa and, and very difficult judgment against Hashem. Because, why? How did Napoleon merit to get himself in such a klipa position? Like, how did he get so much spiritual power? Because of Gaius, his nasus litlas lismos al kaisa vrasa leimar. I'll explain in a minute. Kaisa v'atim yadi masaliku ashkacha v'amuna bitachim belokim. Napoleon stepped into the following mindset. I created what my, my own success. It's, a, it's a, an expression in Tyra. The power and the strength of my hands have given me what I have today. They've given me what I have today. I have all of this because of my own power, my own talent, my own strength. Is it because of God? No way, Jose. It's because of my power and my strength. That's the complete opposite, the complete antithesis of, of Emunah in Hashem. So we have two sides there. You have the Alter Rebbe who's Enoz Novade, everything is Hashem. My talents, my abilities, my strength, my thoughts, my, his success, it's all from Hashem. And then you have Napoleon. Huh, from Hashem? I don't know who you're talking about. I'm a fan of, I read the book of Haro. He said, I don't know who this Hashem is. I'm the creator of the world. Same guy coming back generation after generation with a new face, a different set of clothes, changes his clothes. He comes back in history. Uh, Napoleon before that, you know, uh, Greece and, 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 and Haro, all these guys, same thing, same time, same station. Me, it's me, it's me. Cuomo. Sorry to say. Right? We saw two videos. One is Trump saying, in the end, this, that, it's all up to the boss, the one above. And I'm not going to stop saying it. Pretty good for ASOS. Then you have the other ASOS, Cuomo, who's saying, listen, we got the numbers of COVID down, not because of God or some higher power, because we did it. Napoleon. That's it. They chose, listen, we have two leaders today that shows their position. One says, uh, we have Napoleon running the Democratic Party, and then we have the Altareva trying to run the Republican Party through ASOV. The Altareva feeding ASOV with a philosophy that, you know, is the best that ASOV can do at this point of history. Of history. He'll get better and better. But we have the Altareva determined like the Alter Rebbe said, I'm not voting for Napoleon. I'm voting for the other side. I'm going to work. Who did the Alter Rebbe work for? Who did the Alter Rebbe vote for? He voted for the Tsar Alexander. Tsar Alexander was Asaph. But he was the best that Asaph could do at that point in history. So the Alter Rebbe said, I'm voting for him. I'm not voting for Napoleon. Napoleon is going to destroy the world. Sounds beautiful, but he's going to destroy the world. Here we are again. History repeats itself, but upgraded. The Alter Rebbe is voting for, well, Mashiach. But the best that Asaph has to give us right now is, you know, in the Republican Party. That's where we, that's how we work, you know. And really, we vote for Mashiach. And the other side, they're like, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're Napoleon. We're Napoleon's type of guys, and we believe in all this 
you know, peace, love, dove, 60s kind of fluffy nonsense that quite honestly amounted to nothing. Anybody who was around in the 60s and wondered, where is this all going to go, the peace and the love and the dove? It went nowhere. Well, I know where it went. I see my colleagues. It embedded itself in the ex-hippies of the Democratic Party that have nothing with nothing to say, please excuse me. It's a bunch of cotton candy. And there's nothing behind it. There's no substance behind it. Except for you have innocent people standing for a philosophy that they're being taken advantage of by the ugly, ugly, ugly the Napoleon of the generation. And innocent people are being taken for a ride. So, now, remember, 1789, this Klippa, and, and through the 1790s, to culminate in 1799 when Napoleon took over, this klipa of I did it myself had to be destroyed. It was the same klipa of Sancheriv that was a couple of thousand years before, I guess. And the Mithlerebbe explains, it wasn't a temporary klipa. This klipa was negated all the times and all the generations after that. And as we know, that. The French Revolution in the year Tuskuf Memtes, 1789, as a result of that, Napoleon became the leader of France a couple of years later. It was an ideological revolution. The French people saw it as an ideological revolution. It was an Indian Koli, a general thing, that brought with it a fundamental change in the entire world. Does that remind you of the great reset that the Napoleons of today are planning? Right? King Napoleon. Napoleon is back again, trying to create a fundamental change in the whole world. And the author of it said, we nip it in the bud or else, oh my goodness. And the French Revolution was one of the fundamental occurrences um, that worked. it became the basis of the building of the modern world and culture as I am again till today. Now, by the way, if this sikha had been said today, this sikha was said 30 years ago. If it had been said today, we, we, it is being said today, what we're saying it. It is absolutely speaking to today. Really, when the Rebbe said the sikha 30 years ago, we thought... Okay, the modern culture, yeah, you know, people are... It didn't mean that much to us 30 years ago. Now it's really, it's coming to life. Living color. We're realizing, ah, this is what the Red is speaking about. The basis of the modern culture in which, you know, you get to choose, you know, you name it. From, from you know, you, you get to choose everything from top to bottom, from etc. The most you get to choose the most immoral things, and they're considered okay. So this is the building of the modern culture. It began in those years in France. You can understand that if it's not nipped in the bud, then it expands, and it's much more difficult to to take care of. Imagine if the Alter Rebbe hadn't done that, what situation we would be in today? I guess there, there actually probably would be, you know. Ten religious Jews in the whole world sitting somewhere in Yerushalayim, and the rest of us would be not possible. There wouldn't be 
there would not have been a proliferation of terror. The miracles we see today are the tremendous proliferation of terror throughout the whole world in the most incredible way. And here we are using the technology, the tools of ASOV to, you know, to spread it. That's because the Alta Rebbe won the Rebbe, won the, won the battle. And he had to, and he had, and he had to, he had to throw his life into the battle in order to win it on Khaftal Tavis. And so until the revolution, until the revolution happened in 1789, Tuff Kuchman the government of France and most governments of Europe were, were run by the king and queen. And the, and the king and queen did whatever they wanted to do with the people, right? They were the uh, despotic rulers. So you can understand, of course, the famous story, you know, they told... Marie Antoinette, the wife of whichever Louis Louis XIV maybe it was, um, when they said the people need bread to eat their starving, she said bread. They don't have bread. Okay, let them eat cake. She was very uh, not with the program, you know, very ivory tower. We get it. We get it. If the people don't have bread to eat, they need a government that will give them food. We understand that. It wasn't complete mishadas. But they didn't understand, the people didn't understand that they were being used as a pawn, as a tool. They were probably being deprived of food so that they would be used, so that they would come to the point where they would create a revolution. But they didn't understand they were being used for an ideological revolution. They were hungry. They wanted food. Of course, that's what the leaders of the Klippa do. Keep the people with a virus. Keep the people hungry. Keep the people fearful. Keep the people locked up. Keep the people in quarantine. Keep the people lobotomized. Give them a vaccine so that they can no longer think straight, etc., etc., etc. Do all of that, and then you can do all your dastardly deeds. Right? That's the whole issue. Then you can do what you have to do. So, so whatever. So, so. So, again, the Alter Rebbe understood this has to be destroyed. So, again, we're saying the king and queen ran all of the countries, and the revolution came along, and it was based on the idea that people should be able to be free to live, to act the way they want, not do it the way the king and queen want. Now, what was the problem? Is it good that the king and queen run the world? Well, if they are representatives of Hashem, if the king and queen, the Jewish king is supposed to be buckle to Hashem, he has to be, have more fear and be more bippledic than any other yid. And then he is Hashem's malchus expressing itself in the world. If he's the king and queen of his own volition, then he has extremely dangerous power. If he's the king and queen, if they're the king and queen and they're completely nullified to Hashem, then they have extremely healthy power. They're enabling the power of Hashem and the mouths of Hashem to come into the world. So here you had a king and queen and all these other countries in Europe corrupting the position of king and queen. So the people came along. They, what the people were supposed to come along and say is, we got the wrong guys, king and queen. We want a king and queen that represent Hashem. You don't get rid of, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't, you don't create a king and queen. You don't get, 
You don't have a, uh, you know, just throw away the king and queen and now the people take over. The people are even worse than the king and queen. So now the people can do whatever they want. Now you have a bunch of Michigan running around as opposed to two Michigan. So they just replaced one evil with another. They just got it wrong. They understood the problem, but the solution was wrong. Of course they got the solution wrong. The Nachasha Kadmai, the snake that travels around, you know, he has, he has free, he has free flying points. You know, he's got unlimited, who knows, his, his, you know, the Nachashek, the primordial snake, somehow he managed to buy himself an unlimited plan of free, frequent flyer and goes everywhere throughout history. And he influences people's mindset. So he influenced the people of France to like, don't convince the king and queen to become representatives of God. Just get rid of them. And now you'll run the country also not as representatives of God. That was the mistake. And the Alter ever saw the mistake. Um, so that's why the people threw away the king and queen to free the country from their leadership. And the people of France said, let's go over to the people. We'll take over. Here's where I always interject my famous story. I remember being in a train station in Rome in the 70s. And there's a young guy. I mean, I was very young, so, you know. There's a guy, and he's complaining, guy with a backpack, and he's complaining that the trains weren't working on schedule or something. I guess maybe now it's better, but in those days in Southern Europe, you didn't expect things to be efficient. efficient. When, they, when they come, they come. When they don't, they don't. So he was really angry that, that the, this was, I guess, the late 70s maybe. He, he, he was really angry that the trains weren't on time. So he turned to everybody there and he said, man, trains aren't on time. This is a very American kind of a, you know, guy, hippie guy. He said, man, the trains aren't on time. When the people take over, everything's going to be different. And I remember thinking, oh, boy. Because there was a point, I think, in the 60s, everybody was for peace, love, dove. And in the 70s, everybody decided, no, it's not about peace, love, dove. Everybody, all the hippies have to become workers in factories and become simple workers in factories and unite with the the unions and the workers in the fa- in the factories. The people will take over, and this is the answer to truth and liberation. And it wasn't. I think that all these ex PhD students who became workers in families in factories uh, became discontented quite quite quickly and gave that up, and then joined corporate America, and now they are supporters of the. Democratic Party. la da So here's this guy saying, man, when the people take over, everything's going to be different. Did it happen? No. The people taking over didn't make everything different, except not, not the French way, not Napoleon's way, the people take over. And by the way, Napoleon didn't let the people take over. He said, I'm taking over. Because the people taking over, according to the French philosophy, was Kalipa, was never going to work. But the Alter Rebbe came along and said, the people take over. Every chassid is a, every yid is a leader. Every yid is a mashpia. Every yid is kaidash kadashim. Every yid is a one with Hashem. Every yid is kelakami mamash. If you're a piece of Hashem, you can do anything in the world. You can take over the world. You can conquer the world. 
You don't have to be born into this and this kind of fancy family. You're born with a nefesh elokis. You're born a chelik elokami malamalish. Boom. You can become the greatest leader of the world if you remain as a completely transparent representative of Hashem. So notice that the people take over was being said by the Alter Rebbe for Hashem and by Napoleon against Hashem. Now clearly, I'm going to say, I think, the reason Napoleon had, I mean, which one came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it because Napoleon came along and this Klippa came along, so the Alter Rebbe had to come along and destroy that force? Or was it because the Alter Rebbe came along at that point and gave the power to the people takeover, which was begun by the Baal Shem Tov, that gave rise to the Klippadik version through Napoleon? I don't know. You have to ask the scholars. It could be that and it could be that. But we had both going on at the same time. So, as the Rebbe says, even though the Mila that comes through actual uh, physical freedom, Gashmizik freedom, meaning just, you know, money and this and that, but it brought a freedom and a wealth by the Jewish people, it did. But it was not a wealth, a spiritual wealth or an emotional wealth or a physical wealth and, or a freedom that was based on a munim betachan Hashem. It was based on the opposite of a munim betachan Hashem. I have... I have all this wealth, success, this, that. What do I need Hashem for? Just like the people who are taken in by the missionaries, God forbid. When people try to get them away, they say, what do I need you for? Come back to the fold of Hashem. What do I need Hashem for? I have money, I have an apartment, I have a car, I have this, I have everything I want. What do I need you for? What do I need Hashem for? That's Hashem. So, Napoleon said, we'll give you all this. Just give up Hashem. And so his philosophy brought, especially through Napoleon, a um, a letting go of spiritual freedom. We are free people. We're B'nai Chayrin. We have spiritual freedom. We're the only people in the world. Anybody who follows Hashem, the only people in the world who have spiritual wealth and spiritual freedom. It's not a question of money or stuff, but we have we have real freedom because Hashem is the only true freedom. So we, as we stay connected to Hashem, we're the only ones who have anybody who remains connected to Hashem has real freedom, real power, real wealth. But again, Napoleon wanted us to throw all of that away, and he was mashpia. He influenced other countries in the world to go for the fake freedom and the fake news and the fake wealth versus the real freedom and the real news and the real wealth. So, and that's why the Alta Rebbe fought with everything he had against the country of France at that point. And he governed that they should leave the war. To such an extent, that he did not want to be under their rulership. And the Alter Rebbe and his whole family, with everything that they owned, ran away from Liadi. And the Derech in the laws of nature, as a result of this, it was a brutal winter. 
As a result of this, in the laws of nature, that's how the Alter Rebbe became ill and passed away on Chafdal Latavis in the middle of this war in the village of Piena on Chafdal Latavis. Now, again, we understand that the Alter Rebbe had to throw his, bat, his life into the battle to win, to win this battle. We understand that. And, of course, everybody knows the famous story of the slippers. With, well, one of the things we know, and we're going to sum it up with this, when Napoleon felt, saw that he was being victorious, he realized that to have true victory and conquer the whole world, he needed to conquer Russia. Uh, once you're starting up with Russia, you're, you're going to lose. Remember, we had the past four years, people starting up with Russia. Russia is the seat of the rebellion. You're going to start up there, you're going to lose. So the past four years, we had people in America starting up with Russia, with the rebellion. They said collusion with Russia didn't work. There was no collusion, right? They couldn't find anything. They're starting up, you're going to try to conquer that. <laughs> you're going to conquer the birthplace, the seat of the rebellion. Okay, now it's, you know, you're going to leave. So, when Napoleon said, I'm going to conquer the world now, I'm going for the big gun, big guy. He came, he, he went into Russia with 600,000 soldiers. That's what I read. And he came in confident. But Hashem, of course the Altarebbe, gave a bracha that Napoleon would lose. So one of the policies was that the people were told, all the people in Russia were told, when you see the, Russian, the French army advancing towards your town, Burn your homes, burn your farms, and run into the, you know, leave your homes. Save yourselves, but do not leave any anything, any food or any shelter for the French army. And thank God, the French people complied. So as the Russian army was advancing, it was a brutal winter, they figured, the French army figured that they would go into people's homes, and we're going to say how horrific that would be, eat their food, stay overnight, you know, have places to stay in, in the French homes. As the French army advanced into Russia, there was no place to stay. Everything had been burned to the ground. All food was burned, destroyed, and all shelter was, was burned. So essentially, you had the Russian army, the French army, out in the open without provisions. The French army was dying. The, the, the Napoleon knew he had a goal. Nobody else knew that, but the Alta Rebbe knew. He knew that his opponent was the Alta Rebbe. He knew it spiritually. He represent, Napoleon represented a very strong, unholy spiritual force. He was no small potatoes guy. And he knew that he had to get the, the Kayach away from the Alta Rebbe and get his hands on something belong, that belongs to the Alta Rebbe. He knew who his enemy was. And so he took his army straight to Liadi. But by this time, by the time they came to Liadi, so much, so many French soldiers had died. There was hardly anything left of them. And when they came to Liadi, we know that they went to the, the house of the Alta Rebbe and Napoleon wanted one object that belonged, just one, to get his hands on, because he had the powers of unclean, you know, magic powers, get his hands on one object belonging to the Alta Rebbe. And of course, we know that the Alta Rebbe sent somebody back realized this and sent somebody back after the Alta Rebbe's family had left Liadi 
sent somebody back to the house to look and see if there were any objects. We found a pair of slippers. All the kids know this, and a rolling pin. The Altarebbe's emissary took it and was and had been instructed to burn the house down. When when Napoleon came into the town, he was beyond infuriated. He saw that the Altarebbe's house was burned down or in flames, and he threatened and etc. Offered to pay any people in the town, anybody that had an object belonging to the Altarebbe, he would pay it or they had to give it. Nobody claimed to have anything. Napoleon couldn't get his hands on any object belonging to the Altarebbe. So we understand how fierce the spiritual battle was. So, um, and, but the Altarebbe had promised to his son, the Mithlarebbe, with a shvur, with an oath, that Russia will win the war. And that's the way it was. Right? Think about the past four years. Just think about it. Why the fascination of the naysayers with Russian collusion? They're still thinking about the Altarebbe. Napoleon, if we understand, this is our thought. Napoleon is still trying to run the government. He, he left France and he's now here in, in the United States. And he was still, for four years, trying to get back at Russia for winning the war and saying, you're the evil enemies. And he couldn't do it. He hasn't finished. Napoleon hasn't finished with his anger at Russia. He hasn't finished with it. And you see, for four years, the all those people in the government or out in the other parts of America were obsessed with getting back at Russia. For sure there was collusion. You've got our enemy into power, etc. So, thing is still playing itself out in a very subtle way. So, again, to end off, the Altarebbe promised his son with an oath that Russia will win the war, and that's the way it was. And through this, Yidin were then saved from the negative hashpa that would have been if France had won over Russia. If France had conquered Russia, oi gewalt. We have no idea how devastating that would have been to to history. And of course to the Yiddin. The Altarebbe made sure it didn't happen. When Napoleon finally left Russia after losing almost his entire enemy, how many people did he have with him? Like a handful or something like that? handful of soldiers, I think it was like four soldiers. There was nobody left. The minute he, I think, I think the moment of the war, the moment that he got to Liadi, I think, that was the beginning of his downfall. And we'll see, I don't have the footnote here, but it says that, we'll we'll see in the next couple of days, that I believe the Altarebbe sent, sent a spy to see what was going on with the French French army, what they were singing. What was their tune that they were singing? And they were singing a victory tune, you know, uh, Napoleon's March and uh, Napoleon's Marcher, yeah. They were singing, and they were singing this tune, and the Altarebbe wanted to know what the tune was, because he would then know where they were holding in terms of their, their, their confidence about success. And it seems that when the Altarebbe was when this, the tune, when this, I guess it was, was it Reb Moshe Meisels? I'm not sure. This, this chassid came back to the Altarebbe, sang the tune. There's a whole story about the tune that we'll say in 
couple of days, when the Chassid sang this tune to the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe put his head down, and as he says, he was stark for the vacant. He went into deep, Kabbalistic, meditative communion with Hashem. And finally, the Alter Rebbe picked up his head and said, it's a victory tune. The French army is singing a victory tune. They're singing a victory song. But, in the end, in the end, there will be a victory for holiness. This song, this tune, will not give victory. Temporarily, it will give victory to the enemy, to the unholy powers. In the end, it will give power and victory to the side of holiness and truth. That was what the altar of the promised us. And so we were saved from the negative ashpa that would have drowned the world if France had won. And then Yidden were able, Jewish people were able to continue their avida in being close with Hashem, one with Hashem, and especially, and not only in their hearts, but in their minds. Now, we were, it was a moment in history when our hearts were reconnected to Hashem. And once that was reconnected, once your heart is reconnected, what's the next step after that? Now you connect your mind to Hashem. Until that moment, the best that there were some scholars, their minds were always connected to Hashem. But the best that you could do, the simple people, remember the people were taking over now, according to the elder, the people were being activated to take over. But the problem with the people is they're heart Jews. You know, they have hearts on fire with love for Hashem. Their minds are, yeah, they're, they're not the, the biggest uh, scholars. So the scholars didn't have, you know, their hearts were okay, but the scholars were these elite guys at the top. And then the simple people who were now being empowered to become leaders of the world, what were they going to do? Hearts on fire with love for Hashem, but what about, what, do you, what, what are you thinking all day long? What's your mind doing? So the Alpha said, okay, guess what? Hashem has given me permission and instruction, and this comes from the Arizal, to teach the deepest aspect of Tyra to the simplest people. Like us chickens here on the phone. Right? We're not big scholars. Couldn't even get a master's. Didn't have the patience to sit in the basement of the biology library and get a master's. Right? We're not big, brilliant people. We're the simple, we're the simple people. How do we learn this stuff and understand it? It's a, an open miracle bracha from the Rebbe. And any simple Jew can go on Chabad.org or this or that or anywhere and know the deepest secrets that only the greatest, greatest mystics knew a thousand years ago. So at that moment, the Alter Rebbe said, we're going to do it in a two-step process. We're going to put your hearts, reconnect your hearts to Hashem. And Napoleon's going to challenge us and we're going to put your hearts on fire with love for Hashem. And then when we took care of your hearts, we got rid of Napoleon. We're going to activate your mind 
to be able to open up, to be a vessel for unbelievable, deep, Kabbalistic wisdom that you never thought you were capable of. But now we're creating a revolution. Hashem is making the simplest people be able to become like scholars. The biggest dummies who can't remember where they left their shoes. Right? Can't figure out what, you know, what day of the week is it? They can't do anything else. But we can internalize the greatest Kabbalistic secrets. This is the miracle that the Alter Rebbe created. So that created that our hearts and our minds will be one with Hashem. And these simple plain yidden, remember the people are going to take over, would become the leaders of the world. Through the incredible bracha and the incredible miracle that the Alter Rebbe created with everything he did, including throwing his life into the battle. So we'll continue this tomorrow and we end with a bracha. Hashem should just open up every vessel in the world. It has gone way beyond us now. Our job now is to teach Esav. Esav is looking to us and saying, so you're the scholar. And you're like, I'm the scholar? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Eichmir a scholar. Okay. Teach us. You know Aleph and base. Teach me Aleph. Esav is now looking to us to teach him the truth through his Sheva Mitzvah. Now focusing on the main mitzvah at this moment of the Sheva Mitzvah, justice. Establish courts of law and justice. Justice. No more corruption. That's where it's all gone to now. From all of history, it's all now been funneled down, boiled down to us teaching Esav, encouraging Esav in the seven mitzvahs, and of all the seven mitzvahs, this one main one that's on the front burner right now, justice. Get rid of corruption once and for all, and justice forever. So he Rotten, we should have the ultimate justice of Vaisal Hashem Rucha, and it should be, we should all be in the basement of the Shlishi immediately now.